Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 23 of the Biff Rugby League podcast. Thank you for all those that have listened so far over the last year and thank you to the new viewers that are coming in every single week. That Especially if this is your first podcast, this has been the most successful month we've had as a trio and we just want to say thank you to all those that listen, that download, that like, comment, share and interact with us on social media. We're growing faster than we thought we would and there is more news to come in the off-season and you'll hear more about that from us in the following few um, episodes that we do. Before we get into today's sort of content and everything, Robin, Toby, how have we been? Been great. I've managed to get myself to a couple of games or at the very least watch them all on TV. So my head's full of World Cup knowledge. I feel like we're the experts of this right now. Um, John Keir has managed to have his best ever World Cup as Wales coach and still not win a game. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not over the moon. Hope he's been all right. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I promise. <laughs> I'm really not. Um, I mean, we should probably crack on with the World Cup. With that, definitely, we're going to go into the World Cup. We're going to do our power ranking. Well, we're going to discuss my power rankings that the lads had no idea I was going to do last week, by the way. I just did them as I was sat there and posted them, and they had no idea. Um, so it was a bit of a shock for them when I, re when I released them last week. Today's ones, well, this week's ones were dropped yesterday, so if you haven't seen them already, get on the Twitter, go and have a look at them, and let us know what you think. We're going to discuss Lee Leopards, Jake Clifford's move to Hull in a little bit more detail, and also news on the Southern Conference League and how that is being restructured next year and for the next few years and how if you're a club in the South what you can do if you want to be part of that competition but first off we're gonna we're gonna go through the second round of men's World Cup fixtures starting on Friday night's game moving all the way through to Tuesday night's games and the first game up was Australia versus Scotland and I don't think anyone really expected it to be this bad did they for the Scots? No I mean it was it was pretty obvious who was going to win this one, but I think the the interesting thing was to see just how clinical Australia could be. Like, were they going to get complacent or cocky? Were they going to sort of like get distracted, start you know chasing those sort of like trying to pass the ball around a bit too much, like chasing the the points? Um, and I thought there was like a little bit of that um, from Cleary, but um, they quite quickly sort of got on top of that. Um, and the fact that they managed to not concede a single try shows that you know they were in it for the full game. That's that's the only um, nil scoreline we've had in this whole World Cup. So I was really impressed um, from an Australian point of view, of just like how how professional they were. Um, it it a lot of people have complained about the scorelines, but I I think we're seeing like the world's best like really flex their muscles and put on a show for us. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and I don't think Scotland really could have done anything uh, differently about it, really. Like, they were just beaten in every single department. Yeah, Toby, what, have you seen the game? Did you watch any of it, or have you just seen the score and gone, it's probably not worth watching? I've, yeah, I mean, I think I've seen a few of the tries be scored. I've seen Adokar rip them apart. Um, I think it's weird, isn't it? Because I remember previewing Scotland, and we were sort of sat there going, like, 1-13... to 13 or even 1-17, to 17, they're actually quite a nice squad. Um, I don't really know what's gone wrong from um, here. But, um, yeah, I, don't, I feel like, you know, this is a t 
you know, Scotland's a nation that drew with New Zealand about six years ago. Um, so it is a bit of a shame. Um, but I mean, it's, no, it was 2014, wasn't it? Sorry. Yeah, it was. About eight years ago. So it's sad to see this. Is, it feels like a big, big kind of regression in their sort of, uh, the way they're bringing through talent and um, looking as a squad. So, um, but yeah, other than that, I think that you can see that Malmaning has very carefully selected the Australian squad to just be to be tough as nails and you know to not concede a point like he's selected the hungriest players for this squad and there was talk about you know why isn't Nico Hines in this 24 why isn't uh, there was some debate around like why would you take Campbell Graham um, when you don't really need centre cover but you've only got two out and out wingers uh, you know all this kind of stuff and it seems like he's managed to set, like really put a um, statement out there now that no, I've picked I have picked the best possible Australia squad yeah, definitely. You look at the team, even though the numbers don't make sense and they're, they're winding everybody up, you're looking at the team, you're probably looking at the best team in the world and you're probably not even looking at one of the best Australia teams in the world, but it goes to show that it doesn't matter what sort of team Australia select at any World Cup, they're going to be dangerous. This is more, this isn't necessarily a, oh, well done Australia, you're the team to beat sort of performance. This is more of a, oh, we expected Scotland to put up a little bit more of a fight in this tournament. Than what they have done a disappointing result to italy followed by a total capitulation against the australians and like you said only if only two world cups ago they were drawing and looking at like shocking new zealand there but there is players missing danny bruff has retired lachlan coots injured campbell graham's playing for australia stephen crichton has been selected for samoa and he was eligible for scotland there's players that you probably would have looked at this and gone yeah they would have got in this Scotland team easily had Australia been able, like, not needed these players. But, like you said, they didn't need Campbell Graham, but they've selected him anyway. Do you reckon that's a, we've selected Campbell Graham because, one, not just because he's good enough, but, two, it means that he can't play against us in the group? If that is what they have done, then that's highly cynical and not, you know, that's, that's really not fair. But at the same time, if you're um, Campbell Graham and you think that, Australia has done that, then and you know you're not going to get played. Then he's got a bit of a responsibility if he if he wishes to to represent Scotland. Um, so yeah, I hope that's not true. Yeah, I kind of hope it's not true as well. But like you said, like we've like we've said, it's, this is more of a disappointing result for Scotland than a okay. We need to sit up and take note of Australia because we've been taking note of Australia forever, and we know they're dangerous, and we know every single player in their team would get into any any country's team in the world like no other country in the world is going to say no to any of them players in their squad Do you know, does that make sense like yeah, totally. even i mean well maybe samoa turned down munster because they want because they're happy with luai but whatever does that like and maybe if like toto instead of campbell graham and things like there's probably a few countries that turned down a couple of players because of the players that they've got in their squad moving on to saturday the game that I thought it was going to be quite a nice game to watch. Italy had beaten Scotland. Fiji had come off a disappointing result against Australia. I thought this was going to be a really close game. And I predicted them to beat Fiji last week, did Italy. And I was very, very wrong. What a dominant performance from the Fijians after two disappointing games in a row. Yeah, they've managed to bounce back, haven't they? And like um, put together like a really good performance. I think they did rely heavily on um, Kikau. And I think that... Um, you know, against against um, stronger sides, no disrespect to Italy, 
um, that that strategy wouldn't be as a very effective one. Um, so that's something that maybe like you know pads out the scoreline a little bit in their favour um, compared to if they were playing a stronger team. But still, they play really well. Like Coruscant was really strong. Um, I think the Italians just kind of. Um, I don't want to say they got lucky against Scotland, like they did deserve that win. But I think like a lot of the things that they, um, a lot of the plays that they ran and, and tries that they scored were, you know, the bounce of the ball went their way. Like they just kind of got, the, just luck was on the side that day. Where whereas in this game, um, just things just weren't quite going their way. I think they maybe a bit frustrated. I think that they thought that they were going to be in it, and so they were a bit shell shocked as well. Um, so yeah. Interesting, but I mean Fiji. I think obviously they they had a, a poor warm up game against England, but I don't think they did too too badly against Australia. Like they are, like we were just saying, Australia are awesome, and um, you know they managed to score a try for one. They they actually did manage to break the defence, um, and there was quite a lot of time where Fiji was really stubborn in defence and they held their line on the line. There was about six tackles, uh, six sets. Sorry in the first half of that Fiji game against Australia where they Australia could not break through and they were stuck on their line and they would get a set and they would maybe get out to the halfway line and then just be back in, in defence like on you know what I mean literally on the limit and they still managed to hold their own. So I still I still think this Fiji team's good and, and a result like this hopefully gives them confidence and, and I think that they actually could um, cause an upset in the next stages of the competition, I do, I do actually think they're a bit of a dark horse. Yeah, Toby, what are your thoughts on this Fiji team? I mean, I've got my opinions, and I think they're going to be. I think they're definitely going to get to a quarter final, and then obviously, depending on who they play in that quarter final, depends on obviously. It looks like it's going to be one. I think who it's going to be, New Zealand, I believe. If if they finish second, and there's no shock result at the weekend against Ireland for for New Zealand. Do they, do they go into the New Zealand game thinking, OK, we can definitely do something here because the, the calibre of player that they have in their squad, when you go through it, is not weak, is it? There's, there's Mike Asiro's in there, Nagama's in there, Valame, uh, Wakeham, Corusau, Kamakamitha, Vinny Ayawa, Kikau, Sims. There, there's a lot of players in their squad that you look and go, they can when they, if they came together, they'd be an NRL playoff team, wouldn't they? Yeah, um... I don't know, it's a difficult one. I think that they've either got players who are like winning um who who are like winning premierships, um, or they've got players who are in the sort of sec in, in the reserve grade as Australia call it. Um I think that it's a, a quite like it's almost ironic how Corbin Sims being convinced to unretire to come into this squad has actually made their pack stronger than it originally was. Mm. Um I think that's actually quite a positive for them. Um, I think that they do have to rely on their big play. You know, they have to get the ball out to Sivo, Nekrama, uh, uh, Kakao, you know, I th and Coruscant. I think those four players have to touch the ball more than any other player. And I think they do have to play through that. So I think they might become a bit readable. Um, but, you know, it depends. But they did actually look like they were clicking quite nicely here. Um, I'll just give a bit of thing to Italy, though, because I think that despite the fact he scored two tries, I think that like uh, Moretti and King and Santi all sort of had good uh, good attempts at sort of bringing down Kakao and did actually do a really good job of defending him. I wouldn't, and uh, their full-back, Paul Selly, I'd actually yeah. quite like to see him end up either over here or 
um, in the top 30 of an NRL squad. Yeah, it'd be really nice to see. There's a lot of players in both teams that you'd like to see, uh, in a lot of teams really, that you'd like to see playing for quite a few people. I mean, Paul Selly plays for the Sunshine Cole Spokens uh, over in, on in the Queensland Cup and it'd be very nice, like you said, it'd be very nice to see him play in those positions. With that Italian team, they've they've come out and said the majority of this squad will be in their 2025 squad in in three years time because this is what they're built that's the world cup that they're building towards um you're looking at like uh campagnola lapori mason moretti palumbo parata santi tramato they're all young players playing in a team together now and in three years time especially if they're playing in the qualifiers and the European Championship games, which I believe a lot of these lads do, they'll be a very strong team. And there's, there's obviously the the Johns boys aren't in this squad. They could be in the squad in three years' time as well when they've got a little bit more sort of development behind them. It's going to be, I think, in three years' time, we can be looking at this Italy side and going, OK, maybe they'll make a quarterfinal. And yes, they will win more than just the one game. Yeah, they kind of do like sort of seem to be on the opposite trajectory of Scotland in many ways. Yeah, and it, it's like we were saying last week: has have people looked at this and gone, "Oh, I don't want to play for them because Tedesco's not playing for us this year." I think a lot of players, a lot of the older lads, have gone, "Look, if this is the sort of way you want to run the international team and prepare for the next World Cup, I'm not going to be at the next World Cup, so I don't see the point in me being in this squad." Because for, for the sake of three games, it's not going to help the development of the team. You want your core of players to be together all the time. And I think we'll get on to Tonga later, but that's kind of what like Tonga have done with their squad and their young one, six, seven, and 9 that, uh, that, have, that have impressed so far. Um, the second game on Saturday is, is the England-France game. I only watched the first 50 minutes of this and I wasn't particularly impressed with how England were playing and I know that the England squad themselves and Sean Wayne aren't impressed that it's being called a 6 out of 10 performance but Victor Radley has come out and said this this squad can win the World Cup like it's either yeah we're going to win it or okay we're going to get battered by Australia and New Zealand like it's it's one or the other there's no in between with this team right now is there no i think that i think that like maybe that's um Victor Adley just, you know, he's not going to come out and say we're terrible. Do you know what I mean? I, I think like the, there's a certain amount that you can be honest and say like, yeah, we've got room to improve and stuff. Um, but maybe he's just trying to drum up a little bit of like belief there. Um, I, like, I'll be honest, I sort of underrated this England team and the way they played against Samoa, I was like, I was really impressed and I thought maybe, maybe I should give them a chance. But this France game for me was... Um, they played well for maybe 40 minutes in total of the game. I think the, there was the lapse in concentration that um, happened at the end of both halves was just against a, against a really big clinical side like New Zealand, Australia, etc. Will lose you a game. Like you, you can't play at the international level for 40 minutes, or even 60 minutes, even 75 minutes. It only takes one lapse in concentration and that's it, it's game over, which is... So, I, w I wasn't really very impressed with the game, like you said. I think there was... Um, we scored a try. Or John Bateman scored a try off a, an, an Elliot Whitehead forward pass. Yeah. Um, 
which if that hunt had gone our way, there was a, oh, a no, white, Whitehead, I think Whitehead scored the try off the Bateman pass, I believe it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, my mistake. So so that and that was early on in the game. So that you know, early on, points early on are kind of worth more in a way because it sort of affects the mental battle. Yeah. But there was also a France try that that when I watched it on the TV, I couldn't understand why it wasn't given. And obviously, um, I didn't hear anything blow up about it afterwards. So it it, it was it must have been a, a no try. But imagine for a second that they had scored that. If you swing the points round by by twelve. All of a sudden, it's not that impressive of a victory. It's eighteen twelve to France at half time instead of eighteen twelve to England, and it's a totally it's, different discussion exactly. at half time for Sean Wayne, isn't it? Exactly, and and the French started good. You know, like we, we, they've got quite a few Super League players in there. We spoke when we were going through the squads about how most most of that team comes from two um, sides, Toulouse and Catalans. So there's a lot of like, um, you know. Bonds that have already been made, combinations that are working, a lot of synergies. So I think that they're quite a, a, a solid side. I feel like they play well together, and they like, you know, they, they seem like they, they like have got each other's backs. So England did have a challenge, but this this should have been. They, they should not have let in as many points as they did. Um, I, I just think maybe maybe we rested a few, but I, I it was, yeah, quite disappointing. For me to, to see that result, that that the way that they played. Yeah, Toby, I know you're not supporting England as such in this World Cup, obviously. But if if you were to look at from an England hat, put put an England hat on for a second, this this game showed you what England's best squad is, doesn't it? it Ryan Hall's yes, he scored two tries, but he's not Tommy Makinson. Mark Sneed kicked seven conversions, but he's not going to play. He's not going to start ahead of Jack Wellsby, uh, Thompson, Oledsky have played really well. McAlorum and Ackers, you know that they're going to rotate at hooker either way. Ackers made some mistakes at hooker and def defensively. And like I, I was I was in the same position as the commentators on the day. I thought he'd been hooked after five minutes. He'd been on, made a couple of errors, and I thought he'd come straight off. But McAlorum had come on, and they were playing the two hooker two hooker system instead, and it sort of solidified England a little bit. For you. Where do you see the changes in this team to make it a bit stronger? Who do you think steps out for the the, well, the quarterfinals now that England have got there? Who do you think steps in and, and makes this squad a World Cup winning squad if if they get that far? Well, what's the update on Callum Watkins' injury first? I believe he's out for a while. Right, so they're going to have to figure out something at centre. Um, I feel like maybe it'll be a John Bateman into centre job. Um and then yeah, I think otherwise, um, we'll yeah, very he'll just, much. He'll just be without out of the Greece game, so I think he'll be back for the um, the quarterfinals. By the looks of what I'm reading, he'll be just out for the Greece game. Yeah, in all fairness, I expect it to pretty much be uh, the team to more or less read one to one to seventeen um, from um, the quarterfinals. Um, with the exceptions of Ryan Hall and Dom Young, um, as in because Young will be in there um, instead of Ryan Hall um, in that sort of 1-13. to 13. I think other than that, um, we might see Chris Hill feature, we might see Andy Ackers feature, um, but yeah, I think that you can rule out Mark Sneed and you can rule out Mikuledski. Um So yeah, I think that that's, I think that they are actually numbered the way that they intend to line up. 
Um, I think it's Wellsby definitely going to start, isn't he? Uh, no doubt about it. Young, Young and Farmworth definitely going to start. Um, and yeah, I think that I don't think this was actually that poor performance from England. Okay, they had to click into gear in the second half. Um, but I'd expect for like the squad France have got, despite the fact that they've been quite poorly coached for many many years. France always have a squad which should be able to compete at a quarter-final level. And I think that for them to get 18 points against England is actually kind of how many you'd expect to concede. It's just the nature in which they conceded them. The fact that they let themselves get down into, you know, go into half-time with only a six-point lead, that I think is the sort of disappointing thing for England where the game was really in the balance going into the second half, whereas they'd like to maybe have been like, you know, uh, have only let them have like, six points in the first half or if they were going to or maybe put like another maybe have a 12 point lead over them I think so but yeah I, I wouldn't expect too much to change I think that in all fairness um, Sean Wayne trusts this team to play um, to play as well as um, well to play the same regardless of the personnel in the squad yeah no I, I totally agree there's definitely I think obviously Kai Pierce Paul's probably going to get a run out against Greece and I'm really interested to see which side he'll go. I think he'll go on the right hand side with Dom Young on the right wing um, and then you have um, Makinson on the left with um, with Farmworth which will be really nice interesting to see if he plays that way or if he swaps the centres around it'd be, it'd be intriguing to see what he does there in terms of I'd like to see Andy Acker's start against Greece this weekend it would be quite nice to see as well I don't know if, if, if you two would agree with that yeah, definitely. I think he has to, doesn't he? Because I think we've talked about before the fact that McAlorum doesn't give you much from dummy half and neat, like there's almost feels like there's going to be a need in the big games to be able to have some a bit of elusiveness at, at, at the hug and roll, not just the tackling might of McAlorum. So I think that there's going to be somewhat of a need for Akers to get the full 80 minutes to see if that's a possibility to play down. The other question I'd ask, and this is just me like being in love with uh, Jack Wellsby, but you know, like, there's this talk of, like, Joey Marnie being quite close to being the next million-dollar player in the NRL. Mm. I think if Jack Wells had a fantastic World Cup, he could be the next million-dollar NRL player. It'd be very... I think if he can do it, if he can win England the World Cup, then yes. I think if England don't win the World Cup, I don't think that happens. We've we've seen players like Tommy Makinson win Golden Boots, be, be classed as the best winger in the world, and just not not necessarily had offers from over there and even though they are clearly you know, they've been awarded this i think if jack wellsby single-handedly wins england the world cup with a man of the match performance in every single game he plays i don't know if that happens okay yeah I, yeah maybe maybe like not straight away but i could mm -hmm. see it happen, him making his way over to the nrl at some point in his career i believe he's got three years left on his deal anyway and he's um, yeah that feels like the perfect timing to be honest yeah and i think even christian wolf said he would love to take him but he's got three years left on his contract and he doesn't necessarily want him over there i mean he's he's going to be head coach of the Redcliffe dolphins in two years in after this season because bennett's only there for one year i believe and then wolf is head coach for the the second and third year it's not until four seasons time Three, another three full seasons until he's off contract. Saints are either going to offer him a big deal to stay or he's going to go, I think he'll go and want to play for Christian Wolf. but I think it will depend on where Christian Wolf is and how the Dolphins are getting on if, if he's still at the Dolphins. Um, but that, I just think it. he's he's won everything over here, hasn't he? So Already, yeah. As, as he's, what, like, 21 years old? It makes sense for him to go and try 
and crap the NRL. Yeah, it's not going to ruin his career if he has a if he has one bad year in the NRL, is it? Like yeah. Sam Sam Tompkins is still a fantastic player, and he didn't have a great time in the NRL. Joe Burgess is still scoring tries phenomenally well in this league and is is very much unlucky not to be in the England squad. He didn't have a very good time in the NRL. Luke Thompson's not had the best time in the NRL, but he still has he's still young enough to become one of the best props in the world, isn't he? Mm. So moving on to the third game of Friday night, the game that I was at in Hull, New Zealand sixty eight, Jamaica six. Uh, before we get on to how good New Zealand were, which I didn't think they were amazing, I'll be honest. Jamaica scored their first ever Rugby League World Cup try. It went to Ben Jones-Bishop, who was playing his 300th career game of Rugby League. Phenomenal, awesome. isn't it? Awesome. Fantastic for them. I, I'm, that's all I wanted to see. I knew they were going to lose, but that's all I wanted to see. Yeah, and it was like the, the, whole, the whole game strategy was let's just score a try this game. Like, yeah. we, do you know what I mean? The, way, the whole way that they um, were taking the short kicks and kicking early in the set and to be fair to them they stuck it out like there was times where it wasn't working um like you could see frustration on some of the players when they were like oh we finally got the ball back and then they realized they've got to chase it 40 meters downfield and defend <laughs> another set but i think i think like the respect to them and you know the fact that they're coached by a, a jamaican coach that coaches in the jamaican league and they can like they really changed their, their strategy when they played against ireland I was saying last week about how they were using like two fullbacks, yeah. and it's just these little bit like they know that they're not going to win the game if they play a standard in a standard way. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're trying these different things out and they're sticking to it and they're making it work in in, a, in their own little weird way. So and I I really respect that and I, I was jumping up and down when when I saw the Scarlet Chai. It was like a proper like are they going to get there like the ball's just sat, sat up perfectly like can he get there he, beat, he, he kicked toed it on then he Jones Bishop toed it on and then it just yeah. chased down to the line and it's just like come on come on and he got there and like to see that celebration and see how much it meant um, I can only imagine what it was like to see that in person it, it felt like there was 400% more people than what there was in the, in the stand I know I think there was like less than seven thousand people there apparently according to the attendance or just about around seven eight thousand people it felt like there was twenty eight thousand people it was so loud and we'd moved we were sat at the end that new zealand were attacking in the first half and we'd seen all the tries and we were like well i don't know if we, they were going to see much so let's just we just walked down and we sat on the end that new zealand were attacking in the second half we literally just walked along the the seats basically just walked because it's all you can walk around the whole of the mkm stadium you just like that nobody yeah. can really stop you from going to one place to another so we just walked around to that side and sat down and, and to sit at the wrong end of that stadium just and not being able to see that try up close was the most disappointing thing ever i just want to make say to i just want a massive shout out to kieran rush he was limping for about 90 percent of that game I think he's gone into this World Cup injured, and to play, he's not even he's not even played a Super League game. He's played twelve senior games of rugby league, one at Swinton, eleven at Rochdale, and he's played two games in the Rugby League World Cup. Like he is, he has really, really impressed me. Just his sheer determination so far. The likes of James Woodburn, Hall, Jacob Ogden, Michael Lawrence, Ben Jones, Bishop. These lads that you know that are putting in massive efforts that. 
I think eight, seven years ago, we were talking about Ben Jones Bishop playing for England, uh, weren't we? I think, and uh, for some, for some, like he played two games for the Knights in 2012. When he was at um, Wakefield, he was really, really good. When he was at Leeds, we were like, oh wow, this this kid should do something. And then obviously he dropped off, got injured. 34 years of age, finally got himself to a World Cup, which I think is phenomenal for him. And to be the first Jamaican to score as well, I, I don't think he can ask anything else for, from from them as a country that any more than what they're giving us right now. Yeah, uh, Jamaica, like, uh, I feel like they're the feel-good team at the World Cup. I went and watched the game, watched them play the England Knights, um, I think it might have been two years ago now, yeah. and it was in Leeds, and they had like the steel drums and like they lost that day by quite a lot but there's just something about a, a plucky side that just doesn't give up and you know they just got their attitude in the right place and like you said about Kieran Rush um, he's, he was so outsized in both the games that I've seen him in now but like like they just carry on don't they they're determined and I just hope that this like inspires the next generation of Jamaicans to get involved and they can cement themselves as a solid international team and one day get that win that they deserve. Yeah, Toby, have you been impressed with what you've seen? Obviously, we know that they've they haven't won games and everything, but there's a reason they're not bottom of my power rankings, which obviously we'll explain later. We'll, I'll get into how why certain teams are in certain positions in a bit. But I've been really impressed with every single player that's pulled on a jersey, like even Siobhan Bailey when you look at some of the Jamaican when you go through the Jamaica Rugby League Facebook page and stuff and you see what positions he's played in he's being asked to play like second row and prop in this World Cup for Jamaica when he's playing in Jamaica he's playing centre or like half back sometimes like these guys will just play anywhere as long as they've got that Jamaica shirt on and it's really nice to see I do you think with Dom Young in that team they could have maybe shocked like Ireland or even Lebanon if they because they'd have just shifted the ball to Dom Young wouldn't they and he would have just ran through people but do you think he would have made much of a difference no not particularly I think uh, it's uh, yeah no, we've seen like one man team from four you know i.e. like James Tedesco with Italy and like he was in a position where you get even more ball in hand than you do when you're on the wing um, and it doesn't it, it doesn't do much to help the sort of winning cause maybe they get an extra an extra six points or maybe even an extra 12 points, but that would be about it. Um, I think that I, 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 it's a hard one for me where I say because Jamaica, there is a reality that Jamaica are going to go home without winning the game and probably only scoring 12, 12, 18 points in the whole tournament, is what does it actually do for making people watching it, watching the game? But I know that for rugby league fans, it's it's something that's really interesting, there's a really good story and a really good part of the World Cup. Um but I'd like to have seen something. I'd like to have seen it be made either a bit more about a bit more made of like Jamaican culture at the games that they've been at, which is very hard to do in a massive stadium. Um, but also, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that we are really proud of them, and I think that the fact that we're able to go well, they've scored their first ever World Cup point is still a good a good way of promoting the game. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they would have done much better with um, Dom Young, but I think that try is actually going to, is probably really important. It's probably, otherwise there would have been no positives to take out of this World Cup other than the fact they got there. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm glad they've got that uh, that score. And you never know, they're playing um, Lebanon 
at the weekend and they've come off a good win against Ireland who impressed us in round one is there maybe another shock on the cards I'm really looking forward to seeing how that game um, pans out at the weekend really quickly on New Zealand before we have to keep shuffling on through the groups because I'm aware of time and how long we're going to be recording New Zealand had a there was a lot of errors they can't deal with a short kickoff so anyone watching New Zealand win the ball back like get the get the short kickoffs going because they they're going to have to do a lot of practice on them every mo I think every kickoff went short and nine, 90% of them were claimed back by Jamaica and if they weren't claimed back by Jamaica New Zealand only got the ball back because of an error made by Jamaica like there was knock-ons but where Woodburn Hall would claim the ball first I don't I know it wasn't the strongest New Zealand side but there's things to work on with this team um and they're not as good as Australia right now but like I said this was a rotated team the Australia team we saw was probably the strongest Australia team we're going to see at the World Cup so it's still really difficult to compare both teams right now I think yeah and it's it's difficult with New Zealand not really coming up against a team that's tested them yet so it's difficult to compare them to Australia when Australia Australia are as fit and healthy as they can be because now Fiji wasn't an easy game. New Zealand are kind of it's sometimes difficult to stay focused when you're playing against a team that it's so obvious that you are going to win. Yeah, definitely. It, it was it's very 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 odd, and, and that's why, like I said, power rankings. New Zealand are still second. England have dropped down to third just because of the teams that England have played compared to New Zealand, and they're really, like I said, it's difficult to compare teams exactly. Um, Lebanon Ireland was the first game on Sunday. Ireland people went into this. Ireland were the favourites for this. No Adam Dwayne for Lebanon after his ban that we spoke about last week. Really, really difficult game to call. Two yellow cards for Ireland. A yellow card for Lebanon. Uh, Rajab alongside Moses in the halves was absolutely unbelievable. You look at this team and go, okay, Adam Dwayne is probably not going to play in the game against. Um, in the game against Jamaica because I don't know where he fits into this team. Lebanon looked so much better without him this week. Yeah, I think Mitchell Moses really stood up, didn't he? And like, he like lifted that side. He was the difference. Um, I think I think Lebanon did well. I think that they sort of had to kind of keep their heads a little bit against Ireland because they were very scrappy and quite ill-disciplined and it could have quite easily, it, I mean, it almost did a couple of times, but it could have quite easily turned into a, like too much of a distraction and really thrown them off the game. But I, and I think that part of the reason why they stayed in it was um, Moses' his class and just his, he recognises that, you know, he's like challenged every single week in the NRL, so he could rise above it and sort of like keep everyone around him focused and, and like stick to the game plan. So I think that, that he really was key to that victory Ireland on the other hand I was really disappointed I, I picked them to, to win that game um, I think they just I don't, I don't know what it was I think the props um, I, can't, I can't remember which uh, uh, Liam Byrne Jermaine Jolliffe and James Byrne, Byrne yeah. are the he, three biggest liabilities and it's the fact yeah. they all play for Ireland they're so they're, they're so difficult to control they just they, it's just like so unnecessary they just wanted to like inflict pain on the Lebanon and you know there's there's a balance in there like yeah you want hard hitting props that are going to make it difficult to you know like smash them when they've got the ball and then equally 
when when they're in attack, they're also hitting the defensive line hard and you know getting under the skin a little bit is is part of the game. Intimidation is a useful um, thing to exploit, but I just think it was too far the other way. I think that they were like looking for trouble and the player would break down and they'd be like grabbing shirts and pushing and shoving and um, you know feigning injuries and trying to milk penalties and it's just like every, everything was wrong and I think it just really threw Ireland off the game and where where Moses kept a level head and sort of led his team I didn't really see that from Kiri I don't I think he sort of just let it happen and was happy to like stand aside and not sort of like drag anyone out of it um, and sort of calm people down maybe that's some maybe that's kind of you know I don't think that helps so yeah a bit disappointing but um, a good game to watch like you know it was a, it was a, a scrappy yeah. game but you know you could tell there was passion and um, you know desire and yeah it, it, it was just a good group stage clash and um, you know you know the next time they play each other that, that they'll be talking about this one um, in future games yeah definitely and Toby that's what I was going to speak to you about it was it was lined up to be Ireland favourites Lebanon going into it after like oh Ireland, if Ireland win this one could there be a shock on the cards do you know what I mean I think if Ireland did Ireland win their first game yeah, they, yeah if Ireland if Ireland had won they'd have had a quarter final like do you think there was the like Luke Keary going into there playing alongside Joe Keyes Brendan O'Hagan I didn't think anyone played particularly badly other than the, the three forwards that just didn't want to do anything but hurt somebody. You look at Luke Keery, he made a lot of mistakes in that game. Like He shot out on Moses, and Moses made him look silly, and Lebanon scored two or three times because he because Keery was just shoot, shooting up on him really, really quickly. And It's something like that. As I'm looking at Keery going, you're meant to be the, the main guy in this team. You're meant to be the guy that everyone looks to for reassurance and you're the one making the the silly mistakes in the defensive line and causing that dog led did you did you see that do you think it's more does that is that why Kiri is playing for Ireland in this World Cup and not for Australia because also because Munster and Cleary are so good but Kiri is just known to make some slight errors defensively isn't he there is that but I also think that he doesn't trust the teammates around him whereas Michael Chaka plus Mitch Moses of like you know He's willing. They're willing to say, like you know, trust the man on your shoulder, and they're willing to do it. And I think we're once again seeing what happened in Italy, Scotland, where we look at players who are playing at perhaps a level that we'd consider more professional, but reserve grade in Australia produces better. It has better players in it than our fringe Super League and yeah. top end Championship players that are making up most of the sort of home nation squads. Yeah, definitely. It's. It's really interesting to see, and very much interested to see how Ireland deal with New Zealand on Friday at Headingley. That's going to be a cracking game. I'm going to bring an Ireland flag as well, just to let you know, Robin, just so you're aware of that. Right, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> um, moving on, next, the next fixture was Samoa versus Greece. Samoa turned up, didn't they? Greek, by the way, I know Samoa turned up, but Greece again. The tries they score are just unbelievably good. I think if you're doing a top five tries of the World Cup at the minute, three of them are from Greece, and it's only the, they've only scored three. Like I think it's three or maybe two they've scored, but they've they've scored some cracking tries. The ones they have scored, but Samoa showed up, didn't they? Luai showed up. Tim Laffey, how good is Tim Laffey on the international stage as well? By the way. Yeah, I I um I think it was important for for Samoa to like 
bounce back from that England defeat and they sort of like they've tipped the scales in exactly the opposite direction. Mm. So, I mean, what their, their points difference must be almost zero, which is it's, it's 14 now. Francis is negative two. So, I mean, basically, whoever wins that game will get the set, obviously, we'll, we'll get the other semi final, we'll get the other quarter final spot. But that's a huge game at the weekend coming up. That is, I'm looking forward to that one. Unfortunately, I kind of picked the wrong game, so I'm in Middlesbrough before, but I'm, I can't, yeah, th that is going to be a good game, uh, Samoa France. Um, but yeah, it, it was, I think, um, like you said, Greece, they, they're another like plucky little side and um, they're, they're trying to trying different things out, like their tries are good. I think, I actually think that we've like uncovered some talent and, and I know there'll be people in Australia that, that follow the reserve grade a bit more closely that, that know these guys are good, but um, Mason and um, Campola, uh, sorry, wrong team. No, the Greek side. <laughs> You're uh, loving the what? Italy team. Yeah, no, I know who you mean. Uh, no, Mits, Mits, Mitsias, Mitsias. Mamazoulis. Yeah. He, he's put some massive hits on. Yeah. So I feel like we're, we're like, I remember in the, in the 2013 World Cup, that was when England was introduced to uh, Massimo Masai and he came over to Saints after, after playing for, he was, was he playing for Samoa? I can't I remember. I believe now. he was in that World Cup. Though. Yes, and and Nagama came over after his performance for Fiji, so I'm hoping that maybe a few of these guys hang around and like add a bit of flavour to to like the Super League after this. Yeah, Toby, what have you made of this Greek team so far? Like, I mean, obviously two losses, but they've probably been one of the along, along with Jamaica in that sense. They've they've not necessarily expected to win, and the story that they've had coming into the World Cup, it, it's been really really nice to see them play this well, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, I think that they once again managed to find the story in a team who weren't going to win much. Um, and yeah, I mean, there is some nice pieces to build around. I do always find it interesting that it's like that where you get a nation like Jamaica, which is, you know, made up of players in Super League and then or Championship League One, and then you get a team in Greece, which is like closer to the UK that's made up of Australians. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely been definitely been nice to have them about and I'm definitely a fan of the 16-team World Cup over the dross we had before in terms of the format. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely helping the fact that there's more, more teams in, in this World Cup. Moving on to Samoa, after week one, Brad, uh, Braden hamlin Ueli, Tyro May and Hamiso Tabuai-Fido were ruled out for the remainder of the tournament due to injury. They've only brought in Ken Seo and Tim Lafay. Um, Seo had didn't play the last game, but uh, Tim Lafay came in, scored two tries, got plenty of assists. He's he's it looks like he's going to be the starting centre for them now. What do you th is that loss of Tabuai Fido and Tyro May? Is it going to be big for them? I mean, it didn't it didn't work in round one, did it? So um, I don't know. I obviously losing losing out players that are are like part of those key names of like. This is the talent that we're taking to the World Cup. Losing them is is gonna hurt them. Um, but you know the guys have brought in have done a good job. Maybe they needed a shake up. Maybe that was kind of. Sometimes you see teams when they get like a, someone gets yellow carded, and the team with twelve will play better. You know what I mean? That the, yeah. the 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 hole is great. Kind of like leads all year, really, isn't it? Thing. Yeah. So so that might give them a little bit of. Um, a little bit of determination and 
maybe it will actually work out in their favour. Difficult to call. Samoa's a really up and down team. I think we saw a, a good performance from them. I think they're back. But like now you know what they've got in them. They could just like so completely implode the second they come up against a tough side, which could be what we watch happen on Sunday. Yeah, they could if they lose to France. I think having France in a quarter final, going up against whoever finishes second in Group D, I still don't know who it's going to be. It's not going to be Wales, but it'll be anyone else. Um, <laughs> just it's it's going to be. But it could be. It could, could like it could be. Yeah, no, it could, could. Can it be Wales? Can Wales officially get through to a? Uh, a quarter final or are they out now Toby are they out or are you not sure. they, I don't yeah they I don't know Tonga have won oh no you can yeah no you can uh, yeah if we'd have to beat Papua New Guinea and then Cook Islands would probably have to Cook Islands have to beat Tonga but you have to beat Papua New Guinea by 22 more points than what Cook Islands win by so Cook Islands win by 2 you've got to win by 24 <laughs> yeah. hey. Stranger things have happened. Yeah, strangest oh, things have happened. There is there is a chance that three teams finish on two points and the same amount of points difference. That what would do we be do men- then? That would be mental. Group D has been by far <laughs> the most interesting group. Like yeah. it, every single one of those games has been a joy to watch. It has. I could, it? I could watch a four nations with those two teams playing home and away every single year and not get bored. No, not at all. Um, Tonga well, Wales though. Yeah. Toby, Toby Toby would get bored because he'd have to watch Wales lose three times. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm not. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm laughing and I'm joking. But it's not a bad Wales team, is it? They're not mm. awful. Oh, it's nice. And do you know what? I firmly believe. That with a halfback and like one Super League caliber forward, so basically with Morgan Knowles and one Josh, suit and one Josh, and one Josh Sim back. and Morgan Knowles in this team, quarter final bound, I tell you. Do you know it feels that way? Like Elliot Keir and Reese Williams have got a really nice partnership on one edge. The other edge, that Kyle Evans seems like he's actually it's like unbelievable. Yeah. Because I feel like there's you know there's just a bit of a weakness in the forwards. We're just not strong in a forward pack and. Yeah, it's just like, it, and then the halves, the creativity coming out of them is just woeful at times. Um, they like to hold on to the ball you know, a bit too much, I think, don't they? Yeah, and then like the kicks and stuff they put in just are never creative. And we had, we had this like thing about like, oh, if we're going to try and grind out a win, we're just going to keep giving up the ball in, um, in like Tonga's five metre, within their own five metres and make them just come all the way back up the pitch at us. And it was a bit like you've got to be ambitious and you've got to go for points. Yeah, definitely. Um, yes. I did well, feel a like posi- a positive in the forwards, though. A positive in the forwards. And Robin, you'll be happy to hear this. Bailey Antrobus is a, a monster. Yeah. He's he's going to be playing Super League in two years. Whether it's because York have got their grade their grade A or whether he's signed up for someone else, he's he's impressed me. The sec- I think the second rower, I believe he is. He's really, really impressed me. Yeah, I, I think he's. I think he's been good, and that's. There's a there's a couple of yacht nights that I've been following, and generally they've they've been doing pretty well, which is is nice. I I've been quite excited to start speaking about Wales actually, because I I think that this they're sort of, you know, like 
they've played all right. Like I know that the scores haven't gone their way, but they they went the full distance against against the Cook Islands in the first round, and it was a miracle try at the end um, that that undid them. Like they, it was heartbreaking. No, that was it. It was the they almost scored that try. Yeah. And and Gellin put himself in the perfect position and made it look like an accident that the ball hit him on his back. It like and that I suppose in a way that's the attacking creativity that that meant they couldn't get that try in field position but that was close and then this game against Tonga you've got to remember that that this Wales team there's there's loads of part-timers they were mostly part-timers mm. and Tonga are world-class they are playing they against are. literally the some of the best players on the planet um that have been playing together for a long time have, have experienced success together with a coach that's just helped the team get its fourth um super league title I know you have one or four but you know what I'm saying yeah I I really like this Wales team I think the, the spirit's there I think if, if you just sort of like if you look at it through squinted eyes and sort of like ignore Tupo's like carbon copy tries and you know if, if they just had a little bit more of a attacking um, threat that is not a bad result against Tonga and not at all so I, I, if I was you, Toby, I'd be extremely proud of this Welsh side. I am extremely proud of this Welsh side, and um, I think that they're just unlucky that they got put in that group because I think they could have, you know, they, if they 100%. were in in England's group, they probably, you know, if they caught Samoa in round one, they'd have won that game. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like they could have made it through to a quarter final. They still might, but I think that, I mean, it's good for us fans that we've seen such competitive, competitive groups. But they were kind of a bit lucky that they did end up in that one. That was their undoing, really. Yeah, I think if they're in any other group, if they're in, if they're in, if they if you swap Ireland and Wales around, I think they you're looking at a quarter final. If you swap, um, mm. if you swap Wales and Scotland around, I think you're potentially looking at a quarter final. You swap England with Samoa or Eng or sorry, if you swap them with France or Samoa, you're getting a quarter final. You're in. It's such an even even group. There was no other than, like you say, Tonga, who, without Tamalolo, without Harvili, and without Hopoata, who haven't played a game yet in this World Cup, they are they are one of the strongest teams in the tournament, and they're and they're rotating players: Tessinu, Penasini, uh, Katoa, Suli, Amon, Hurrell, and Murdoch Masilla, and Olakawatu. They've only played one game. They're rotating their squad a bit. They've got players still to come in into the quarterfinals. This isn't. This is a really, really difficult quarterfinal for whoever finishes second in in England's group. I think you're going to be looking at Tonga versus Samoa in one quarterfinal, England versus PNG or the Cook Islands potentially in in another quarterfinal. It's going to be a tough. I don't. I don't know if even Tonga will get to the semi-final. I think you're looking at England Samoa and it's it's tough. I would not want to be Christian Wolf with this squad thinking about who to drop and who to play and whatever because yeah. it doesn't matter what one to 17 they pick it's going to be the strongest team against most of these teams in the world cup um the last game of the round was last night it's obviously wednesday on the day of recording but uh papua new guinea 32 cook island 16 can we call can we talk about kyle labor for a second yeah he's awesome he's so I, good. I was, yeah i i think he's great i think he's just like any Super League club that needs a six, sign him up because he's he's the full package. Like he's got a great kicking game, a great running game. He's always crisp with his passes, puts himself in the right place. 
Um, his defense is good. Like he's he's put on some good shots, and he doesn't sort of get bumped off. Like he's he's great. I like you. You sent a message into the group chat, like saying how excited you were, Brian. And like I didn't. I've never I've never heard of him. Another one who's just like announced himself on the international scene. And um, I, I like this whole Papua New Guinea side are really exciting. The way that they play is really aggressive. Um, they love a, a big shot. Um, you know, they're, they're busting tackles. They can they can pass it. They can catch the kicks. And yeah, I'm I'm just like really enjoying watching this um, PNG side. Um, they've they've. It, it's going to be interesting. Like we were just saying, it's going to be so interesting to see who who gets that next spot between them and Cook Islands. Um, I think that I think that they're good, and I'm kind of a bit gutted that they're playing England if they do play England in the next stages because I like I would have wanted them to see to see them go further I want to see Papua New Guinea take on New Zealand take on wow. Australia Fiji stuff like that like they're they're really exciting and entertaining team to watch well there is still a chance that if PNG PNG Tonga this week right isn't it uh, no it's um, or is it... PNG Wales PNG Wales I mean if Cook Islands shock Tonga and PNG beat Wales, we could be looking at Tonga versus England in in the quarterfinals if if things don't go the way that Tonga want them to go. This, like you said, this group is so so close and so interesting. This Papua New Guinea side is so good as well, and they haven't had uh, Adeni Gebi or Xavier Coates play a minute because of their injuries that they've picked up in training. They have just put they've put Jimmy and Gutlick in. Roderick Ty, oh them two wingers. I mean, Gutlick and Ty are so impressive. So, so impressive for me. Reese Martin's got 22 points. Oh, how heartbreaking was it for Reese Martin last night? When he, when did he break his streak? He, 41 conversions in a row. Joint first. Like, joint with two other kickers. I can't remember the kickers that he's with. For 41 kicks in a row. 42nd oh. kick, misses it. The kick after is from exactly the same position and he nails it. And it's like, yeah. how heartbreaking is that? If you, I would not have wanted to be... I, I was heartbroken for him yesterday. I had a feeling that that might have been what happened because obviously I, I, I sort of remember people talking about his street, but I couldn't remember if it was still going on. And mm. when he when he took that kick and he missed it, all, the whole squad had like head, hands on their heads, like just, yeah. cursing. Like, I know, and so I sort of thought, oh, hang on, was that? did I just witness his streak end? <laughs> yeah, for, I hadn't missed a kick from July. Um Toby, I know we were sort of we were poking around and going, okay, this is not, not a bad group for Wales to be in. Are you kind of glad that some of these other teams have not necessarily got everybody available? I mean, Tinarau Arona, uh, Dylan Napa haven't and haven't played for Cook Islands. Uh, Gebby and Coates haven't played for PNG. Talmalolo, Havili and Hopawati haven't played for Tonga. Like, are you kind of glad in a way that you're not playing their full strength sides? Um, I guess maybe it would change my attitude towards Wales if they did put their full strength sides against us, wouldn't it? Because um, I think that in response to sort of what Robin said, like I'm, I, th- I am quite proud of them, and I feel like this is the first time in a World Cup that I've seen that in my lifetime that I've seen Wales perform at the level of the talent they have. Um, I think there is still a little bit of like annoyance for me around the fact that we made conscious decisions not to be creative um 
which I think that, you know, we're not going to win a game that way. But at the same time, they've made pretty much every tackle you could ask them to make. And they've really, you know, and they've really done a good job of, um, you know, making games competitive and giving you, like, a moment where you thought, think they're going to win. Um, or at least draw. Um so yeah, I think that maybe I am grateful in that way because I have come out of this World Cup going like that's probably the best Wales performance we could have asked for. Yeah. Uh, maybe they could have got that drawing try against the Cook Islands, uh, and then it would have been the best. I think I think that was on, and I think that we messed it up. Um, mm. um, so yeah, I think that's that's maybe the only way that that's the only sort of thing. But otherwise, you know, I think that. Um, Wales genuinely did come into this ready to be competitive and you know with an idea of what they were going to do to make that happen and I'm, yeah I am quite proud of them so yeah and and there's players that aren't, we've mentioned Bradford Best and Tyson Brazil so you sort of we won't get into them but you're talking about the halfbacks that potentially are, you should have had and you if you wish you had a halfback both Lewis Dodd and Harry Smith are halfbacks that are eligible for Wales unfortunately Lewis Dodd we know is out injured Harry Smith, I believe, was there was talks of him being in and around the England squad. Um, would it have been nice to see one of those two in there? Do you think that would have made the difference for you? Potentially, honestly, like I think that it does come down to that point where he needed a half back to get the ball and just decide and make a quality pass out wide. Uh, I find it interesting that Elliot Keir got given the six shirt to play at left centre the whole time. Um, I feel like maybe Elliot Keir at six. I was actually I, when I saw he got given the six jumper, I genuinely thought that that might be quite, that might be something that would work. Yeah. Um. In regards to a bit more creativity and a bit more quality in the halves. Um. So yeah, it's been. A, I think I have actually been a little bit sad to see Ollie Old and Josh Ralph as a starting pair. Although Josh Ralph tweeting Andrew Voss asking if he was commentating on the game has actually cheered me up quite a lot and made me like him even more. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Vossy is just. I listened to him on the forty twenty live, and I'm shamelessly plugging other podcasts here, and I shouldn't. Um, but he said that he is the only commentator from Fox Sports to to be over to over here in the UK for this World Cup. So that's crazy, isn't it? It's you'd have thought you know, it's a World Cup that like you should be having. There should be a group of you over here, but no, he's the only one from from Fox over here. On in the World Cup, um, it's power rankings time. Um, you two have seen them. Toby was like, "Brad, you've posted the wrong one." I was like, "I haven't. I haven't posted the wrong one. I was just reminding people what last week's ones were." Um, I promise I didn't post the wrong ones yesterday. Um, but we'll start at the top. The top four, my most powerful countries in the World Cup so far: Australia up two to first. New Zealand are the only team to stay where they were last week, still in second. England dropped two places to third, and Tonga rise two places up into fourth. Um, thoughts on those? Those just those four teams for now. Are we are we kind of happy with they're the top four teams in this World Cup so far? Mm, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I I guess I agree. I mean, I don't think Tonga have been as good as they could have been. I, I feel like um, we've still not seen the best from them, but. I'll 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 accept it. I'm happy to move on to the more interesting teams. <laughs> yeah, there, there was one. There was one thing I was going to ask. Is that obviously New Zealand and England have, have both won two. They've both won two quite comfortably. But New Zealand's level of competition hasn't necessarily been as high. 
Would you have potentially accepted England second and New Zealand third based on the level of competition that both teams have played? I mean, yeah. When you look at New Zealand's first game against Lebanon, it wasn't the most convincing and they were they had a lot of um, pretty poor uh, attacking plays towards the end. They were just sort of like losing the ball constantly. I don't think they completed a set for the last like 20 minutes of the game. So, yeah, maybe they're sort of, like, cruising a little bit. And I don't know, it's, it's hard. Like, I, I'm still... I, I, I've only just learned what a power ranking is, all right? So <laughs> I'm still getting my head around it. I was waiting it. for you to admit it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still getting my head around it. I guess when you look at it, like, New Zealand haven't played the strong sides and we haven't yet seen a performance like we saw from Australia. Whereas I would argue... Papua New Guinea have been really good to watch, made not that many mistakes. Uh, they've been competitive for the full game, and I think they're, they're playing their best. So, like, PNG's a side that I would bump up. I think Lebanon, I think that the, the way they played against Ireland in a scrappy game was really impressive. The fact that the, the final score against New Zealand was 34-12, I think that's a respectable score. And I know that they... You know they had a bit of issues getting sent off and stuff, but I think I think Lebanon have done really well. At Fiji, I think they've done really well uh, in their game against Australia, and then again they've backed it up with a complete performance against Italy. Um, so I'd I'd be tempted, like you know, there are three teams that I think could be, you know, maybe I would maybe put them Australia, PNG, Fiji, Lebanon, then England, then. Yeah, that's maybe how I would look at it. That's very interesting. You say those three teams, CNG, Lebanon, Fiji, they, they're five, six, seven. Samoa take a big jump up six from um, 14th up to 8th. Toby, are you surprised to see the, the teams? Obviously, there's only two rounds, so it changes quite a bit. Power rankings are usually done throughout the whole season, and they're based on particularly that week's performance compared to how they were like the last week and everything else. Um PNG up four, up to fifth, Lebanon sixth, Fiji seventh, Samoa eighth. The fact that you've got two teams in Group D, fourth and fifth, and then the Cook Islands are ninth, it shows that Group D is so tight in that sort of, sort of we're not sure who's going to take the next step up. Big drops for Italy and Ireland will go to on later on, but we're quite happy to see these teams jump up. And it does go to show that it's not just the big three that are piling pressure on other nations, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, it's uh, I think it it's sort of starting to read how um, how we knew it was going to read um, type of thing. Um, but yeah, I think that there is genuinely something to be said for. I don't think you could pull like you know when you know we used to have a four nations competition. We put a team in it just to lose every game. Yeah. I feel like now that you genuinely would have to make a five or six nations you have to go up to five or six nations to actually to actually guarantee that um like you know it was all the world's best teams in it and i think that is a credit to what you know and that is like reflecting these power rankings yeah definitely and we're going to drop down to nine to twelve Cook Island. toby are you all right there yeah, why? Everything just keeps going. It's like you're lying down in bed, getting all comfy. 
Oh no, I think it's um, I think in my laptop's lost. It's um, it's the things which like rubber things which keep stop it from sliding around on the surface. Oh, and it's since it's since it's lost them, it's had some weird thing with the key input where my laptop kind of like buzzes around the screen. It's a bit weird. Oh, yeah. it sounds like you're in a latex suit. <laughs> it does. It no. does. Yeah, I didn't want to say it just in case. Oh, wow. I mean, we know, he's, we know he's in a relationship now, Robin. Like. So oh, yeah, yeah, of course, you haven't, Robin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We now, now that Toby's in a relationship, he could be getting up to anything. We don't know what his private life's like. Yeah, we hear, we hear less now that he's in a relationship. We'll leave the cameras off. Yeah, yeah. We're the good job we don't, uh, we can't see each other uh, anymore. You noticed that I was very pro um, doing audio only and getting rid of the video. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like this new system that we do. It's, it's quite nice. Um, like I said, Cook Island's only dropped down two places, but that's because their their loss last night to PNG was. It was really Lebanon would have been. Fifth, Fiji sixth, Samoa eighth. Cook Islands would have been eighth if they'd have won last night. They would have dropped just because the performances of Lebanon and Fiji and Samoa were so good. Whereas the Cook Islands, necessarily, even though they've been impressive, they've only they've played teams really similar to them, and they've not necessarily taken a big jump up or a big jump down. So they wouldn't really have moved so much. Italy dropped six. Ireland dropped six. Both suffering losses that we probably weren't expecting like that if they'd have lost a little bit maybe they would have only have dropped one or two places and fiji and lebanon maybe have only come up as not as many as well but big losses when they shouldn't have france dropped four once again only because png lebanon fiji and samoa just played so well in in the second round of fixtures wales dropped from yeah. 10th to 13th because they've lost again but like i said out of all the teams that have lost both their games they're the best one out of the four. So that's why they're 13th. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to bump Ireland below France and Wales. I think both of those two teams played against stronger opposition and made a really good show of it versus Ireland, who, you know, we thought were going to win that game and, you know, let themselves down, really. Yeah, it's really tough because you, you look at it and go, how did they look at the opposition that they played? But you also think about how they played. And Ireland yeah. do offer that a little bit more going forward. And than what Wales do and I think if Ireland were to play France you would I wouldn't really be able to pick a winner necessarily based off the off the way they've played so far in this World Cup um, and the fact that and yes even though the two teams that are next in 14th and 15th have suffered heavy defeats this week in Greece and Jamaica they're above Scotland because quite frankly the, the team that Scotland has on paper and the results that they've had has been absolutely abysmal and, and they're the they're the 16th ranked team in the power rankings they are not. They're not going to shock anybody. Whereas Greece and Jamaica, if they played, not to rub it in, but for you, Toby, but I think if Greece or Jamaica played Wales, they, they'd give them a good game just in the way they've played. And I think Jamaica, Greece and Wales would all absolutely pile points on Scotland in this World Cup. Jamaica, Greece would actually be such an awesome game to watch. I, I I, that... I'd go and watch that. If that was on in London or Leeds or wherever, I mean, I think London would be a great place for that game. It's a massive sort of West Indian Jamaican community down in London there's a lot of Greece people in London you play that game at I don't know Brentford or something but like the Brentford Community Stadium where Broncos play no sorry not there is it it's um, Wimbledon isn't it you play that at Wimbledon I think you get I think you get a good few thousand I think you get a good few thousand people there watching that that would be a phenomenal game yeah I mean I, I did sort of see something in the week like people suggesting that you, like the teams that are now knocked out of the competition could play some 
some more matches, you know, like a bit like a shield. Yeah, the, the, was it you that mentioned that last week, Toby, or was it you, Robin? One yeah, of you yeah, mentioned no, like, it last I week. About, I, was you, about, I was about to talk about again was like the fact that could you imagine if we went from here and we were able to see Scotland, Italy, Jamaica, and Greece, or Scotland, Italy, Jamaica, and Wales um, as a little fourteen competition? Yeah, they they played in like a shield and then or a plate and then the teams in third would go into their own semi-final and play for something else. You're making more fixtures, aren't you? And teams would want to play that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's almost, it almost like it wouldn't work if it was like a bigger World Cup, but with more, you know, where more teams were sort of fighting for the second spot and then you've just missed out, it's heartbreak, and then it's like, oh, you've got to go play this meaningless competition, which you're clearly the best in. But that's actually not the case at all now. No, like, it would yeah. be really competitive and it's a chance to get a first win on the board it'd be a chance to play in front of like probably play in front of a bigger crowd because you could tailor those games more to specific audiences yeah definitely you tailor them you take like you said if you get if you were to have scotland wales against each other you play that in the middle of the two countries or even play it in one of the countries do you know what i mean you play, i don't know where you'd play i know the world cup's in england so you probably have to find somewhere in england to play it but it, somewhere in between that's in between like cardiff and edinburgh in the north you're probably going to get quite a few people go and watch that maybe uh like i said greece versus jamaica in london would be amazing because there's the, the communities that they've got in that area people would travel down currently teams that are in third france versus italy lebanon versus cook islands france versus italy in one of those european nations people would go and watch because just because of the countries that they are and lebanon mm. versus cook islands the talent that the teams have got in those teams sorry the talent of the players in those teams would would be amazing there there would be like semi-finals in playoff competitions for the world cup and whoever then would win say whoever won the plate or and the say there was a plate and a bowl whoever won those two trophies would then maybe get automatic place in the next world cup so there's less necessarily there's less playoff places so to speak but teams earn the right then they're not just because they've lost in their group doesn't mean they can't necessarily make the next world cup they've still got something to play for doesn't it does that make sense yeah and i think like hopefully this sort of makes like you know we're always pushing for more international fixtures like the game is crying out for it and this world cup has like proven that i think the the home nations that we've got and when i say home nations you've got to think like really the italians are made stronger by the australians um, yeah. Lebanon is made stronger by the Australians. Greece by the Australians. So, if 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 the Australians aren't willing to travel, which I, I kind of would understand, but really we could be organising like Ireland, Wales, Jamaica, Scotland, France, and England. There's five teams there that that could be playing each other regularly yeah. um, in the off season. I mean, in in a way, England. Like, if we made that a competition, made that five team competition. It's pretty obvious who's going to win it. So it would almost be more interesting to have just Ireland, France, Wales, Jamaica, Scotland, and Italy. Uh, and in Italy, if if they've you know if if yeah, I suppose even if they can't get the Australians over there, they've got in their team. Yeah, that's if they the... could, that's an interesting sixteen competition that w we could organise every single year in this country and well, the countries there in and around northern europe wouldn't be too expensive to to um run and would help those nations develop and get stronger and build their brand and give the players that international um experience i i just hope that's what we get out of this world cup in the long run 
Yeah, and looking at the European Championship, the current way it's worked, um, you have England in 2021, not in a in a competition. Um, they're NA, they're not applicable because they're not in the European Championships. But I think if you if you're going to introduce the sort of competition like the sort of rugby union Six Nations is, you need to put put them in there for a bit. Uh, France, yeah. Ireland, Italy, Scotland, Spain, and Wales are Group A. So that's their Six Nations. That's those teams, which is really interesting to see Spain in there with when everyone else is in a World Cup. Group B is Serbia, Greece, and Russia. Group C is Germany, Norway, and Ukraine. And Group D is the Netherlands, Czech Republic, Malta, and Turkey. I mean, the amount of rugby league games that Malta play, they, that's really pushed them up the, the world rankings in that sense. Um, but now you look at the groups now, and apparently England have been given an A. France, Ireland, Italy, Scotland, Serbia, Spain, and Wales are all A. Germany, Greece, Netherlands, Norway, Russia, and Ukraine are B. And then Czech Republic, Malta, and Turkey are C. So I think, I don't know how exactly they do it or how they put them in and, and whatever, but both Serbia and the Netherlands have been promoted. Serbia got promoted from B to A, and the Netherlands have been promoted from D to B. I don't understand why they've not gone to C, but there's no D groups now. They've, they've sort of changed it up a little bit, and it's all been moved around. But you look, but then you look at who's won these European championships. 2018 was France. Uh, 2015 was Wales. 2014 was Scotland. Before that was 2012 was England Knights. Before that, uh, Wales 2000, and, uh, sorry, France 2011, Wales 2010, Wales 2009. Then it wasn't played in for uh, four years, where England, uh, France won it in 2005, and then England's main team was in it 2004, 2003, and before then. So I mean, there's ways that this you could take those countries and you could go, okay, we're going to have six groups of six or two groups of whatever it is. To, to sort of make just fixtures around and it's a it's a rolling like three-year competition and it, the, the mm. final is two years before every world cup sort of the fight that is it's done two years before every every world cup and whoever wins group a is it two groups of group a win it two groups from group b do you know what i mean you could literally draw those teams randomly like they do european football championship qualifiers and then those teams who win those groups it could be literally randomly drawn no tier systems, nothing. Just randomly drawn it, and they'd have to yeah. qualify. Teams that automatically qualify, automatically qualify. But you're looking at those European teams. It looks like England are the only European team that might qualify for a, a uh, for the next World Cup through the quarterfinals. So then all those other teams need to go into qualification system. But it's always the same teams because then they're all in different groups. So I think if you mix the groups up all that every year, then it becomes different, doesn't it? Yeah, I think like England. The English, we we always complain that Australia doesn't play games. New, New Zealand, is, they are they are better to be fair. But we 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 always complain that there's no one for us to play. Yet France gave us a good game, and I reckon if we had a three game series against France every couple of years, France would get stronger. And yeah. before you know it, that you've got a second like powerhouse in Europe. Yeah, I, I think that we we sort of have a bit of a responsibility to play against these nations and, and put fixtures on and, and give them a chance to challenge us because I, I think we can't complain about Australia prioritising state of origin when we're not willing to play Wales and Scotland and France that are on our doorstep. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's definitely something that IMG have to look at and go, okay, where are we going to, where, where, where are we going to improve this international game? 
Uh, moving we on from the, the exiles, like that's not better. That doesn't develop anyone. No, it doesn't help anybody, does it? Because it's not an international side. It doesn't help anybody at all. Um, we need to move on from the international game into sort of the club game a little bit. An announcement from the Southern Rugby League Management Group came out yesterday. A restructure of the Southern Conference League has uh, come out, and I'm going to read the statement to you now, just as it loads. Um, following a planned review of the Southern Conference League on the conclusion of its third full season, a decision has been made by the management group to move from its current two regional divisions into one Southern Premier Division. As such, the management group are now accepting applications from interested clubs from across any of the current Southern Leagues. This includes all existing clubs. The competition would aim to provide playing opportunities that pit the best clubs from the regional leagues against each other on a weekly basis, a higher intensity and level of rugby and potentially a longer playing season for those who wish to play at a higher level. It is hoped that the proposals will also allow the regional leagues to flourish as new teams will be able to enter the competition without the fear of having to play the well-established teams. It will also reinvigorate those leagues as new teams will have an opportunity to win, to win their competitions which may have been dominated by the same teams over the last few years. Um, basically, a bit of insider knowledge, this is because the West Division has been very, very poor in terms of the quality and the amount of fixtures played. Plenty of teams have pulled out of fixtures over the last few years. All Golds are the only team, I believe, that haven't pulled out of a fixture in this season. Swindon have, Torfine have, uh, Valley Cougars pulled out of fixtures when they were in it. Uh, Devon pulled out of fixtures this year. Cornwall pulled out of the league completely when the Cornwall are the Cornwall team went into League One. They they were like, oh, we're going to enter this league, and then they dropped out. So really difficult for the West side, and I understand that because the, the travel. But now that this is basically going to be the East Division plus the All Golds, but there's teams that might not want to be in it that might just drop down a level, which will be really really interesting to see. Yeah, kind of what I'm, what I'm hearing from that is that there's growth. In, in the southern areas because they're able to like create this new tier on top and fill in the spaces below with these new teams so to me this it sounds like good news yeah good good news in terms of the fact that they've they've decided to scrap the regional side of it it's, it's going to look very much like the women's super league south uh, mm -hmm. that first year there was a west conference and an east conference and then they combined this year to make one whole league and teams only traveled and they only played each other once in terms of you you traveled away to a team and then next year they'll come to you sort of thing so right. next, next year you'll see uh bedford will travel to bristol but cardiff and uh, cardiff and uh whoever else will tra uh, cardiff and london i think will travel to, to travel to bedford to play if, if that's the way I've, I've read that correctly in in terms of next year for the women's game but and it's going to look very similar in the uh the new southern premier division um so yeah, once we know more and what, what teams are going to be in that, obviously we'll give you more information as well. Uh, Jack Clifford announced there's a new Hull FC halfback. Uh, quickly, Toby, your thoughts on, on that for Hull FC after the loss of Jake Connor? I mean, it's quite nice because he sort of partners up with um, with Tex Hoy at, at Hull. Um, and yeah, there's a bit of a Newcastle link there. I actually think that this whole rebuild's going relatively well. There's some young Australian backs coming in and there's a lot of young forwards who have had their chance due to injury over the past couple of seasons still looking to come sort of, you know, make their way onto the big stage. So I think that it's the start of Tony Smith's rebuild. And if we look at how he sort of, what he managed to do with whole KR um, at the start of that, of his tenure there, I think that, you know, there probably is a positive trajectory. 
um, insight for Hull now. Yeah, definitely. Really, really interesting to see. I mean, we spoke more about the, the Huddersfield tie side last week. They announced the signing of uh, Nathan Peach during the week, which means their squad is even stronger than what we we said. Oh, their squad's going to be good. They just need a hooker. Three days later, Nathan Peach gets announced. So I think that, that Huddersfield team is going to be really, really interesting uh, going forward as well. Um, last but not least, we're going to end on a, a really positive, funny note before we get into our seven tackle set. Toby, give me a badge rating for the Lee Leopards. <laughs> it depends if you want it with or without context. Oh, I just want you to absolutely annihilate them because it's from it's an absolute oh. pile of crap. No, it's the fact, right? <laughs> they've taken a perfectly good Centurions and then they've chosen a Leopard, but it's a Snow Leopard, but it's actually a Jaguar. And it doesn't end there. They've put a leopard slash jaguar's arse on the back of their kit. <laughs> They've put... They haven't just, like, stuck to, like, the, the the thing of the leopard. Their training kits are all leopard print. Like, it's just the most, like, Primark fashion brand rethinking of your club I've ever seen. <laughs> It's horrific, isn't it? It's I awful. I think the thing that's most sad about it was Centurions is a bloody solid name. Yeah, I know. And now the only Centurions we've got, I believe, in, in the UK game is St Albans. And I, might, I know they're a well-established team in the South, but ugh, come on, someone's got to fly that flag. Um, I just want to read the, the slides and explain why it's been done to you both, in case you haven't seen this. Um, this is slide, slide number one. Um, our story, Lee were founder members of the Northern Union in 1895 they entered the competition as lee football club but were usually known simply as lee their biggest successes were in 1921 and 1971 when they lifted the famous challenge cup and in 1906 and 1982 when it won the championship in 1995 when the sport entered the super league era to change to summer rugby and raise its profile attractiveness and commercialness it reached out to its fans to seek a new name it came up with the Centurions, the reason being that the club had operated in Rugby League for 100 years, but the Centurions spelt the, the proper way. Our story, Rise of the Centurion by accident. Having requested a logo design, Lee decided on one of a Centurion, a Roman type of gladiator with armour. This was an error as a Centurion is spelt differently to a Centurion and being 100 years old. Which, is in, which indeed has nothing to do with Roman Gladiator. The club also had a mascot, which was a pig based on its then sponsor, Parkside Skoda, that used Parky Pig in its promotions. Roll forward to 2022 and a review by the sport after realignment by its global partner, IMG. The current board of directors of the club reflected on the brand and a name that didn't represent the logo, which they felt was also dated, coupled with a mascot of a pig that also had no synergy. Sorry. <laughs> they unanimously felt it was a great opportunity to rebrand the club. Moreover, given the significant investment, a change in approach to recruitment was made. On three previous occasions, the, the club has suffered the fate of relegation immediately following promotion to Super League. This year, by recruiting a Super League standard team to compete in the Championship and then further recruiting from May onwards to back themselves, it is the firm belief that the club would have a much improved chance of competing in the playoffs of Super League 2023 when promoted. So what next? Strap yourselves in. So then they showed the video and they announced the badge. 
Um, Lee Leopards, so why Leopards? There are several re reasons that justify this. Far and above, the owner's open love of the leopard, love for animal conservation and owning a safari lodge called Leopard Rock. <laughs> Most clubs in the game utilise an animal in their name, which we obviously all know, as do many clubs in different sports across the globe. We leave behind the Centurion legacy after scoring 100 points in a season, which seems an apt tribute to our former name as we move forward to hopefully break more records and create a new legacy as the Leopards. The Leopard is an animal currently not represented within Rugby League in our competitions. It represents what the club want to be recognised for as on the field as a rugby team, fast, elusive, agile and intimidating. From the 2023 season, the club will operate a men's Super League team, a women's Super League team and an under-15s and under-16s development team, as well as continuing the fantastic work of its Learning Disabilities Rugby League and Physical Disability Rugby League teams as we continue towards an academy and Category A status. The Lee Leopards will operate a Junior Leopards section, which will have its own logo, an area within the website and a host of junior opportunities. I'm just going to share the logo with you two now. Um, so you can you can laugh at that but yeah that that's the reason i'm there's 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 20 million there's there's a good there's just under 50 more slides um the teasers were apparently derek promoting presenting himself to the crowd in a half leopard print hoodie um the summer bash kit had a partially partial leopard face from the new logo and then there was a red and black leopard print on the side and then obviously they've got all their leopard print stuff as well so oh they've got a new mascot as well by the way uh the lee leopards have a new mascot who the fans will name um but this is not just your typical furry mascot but a mascot made by the creators of the mascots for the u.s show the mass singer with the illuminated eyes wow. and coming at a significant investment from the club great <laughs> honestly the, like the the reasons they gave for why they shouldn't be called the centurions has made me realise that the Centurions was such a good name. Like, I like that it was like a little play on words about them, you know, rebranding after a hundred years. They accidentally finished on a hundred points. Like it's it's a good round number. What is wrong with that? I mean, I get the the logo probably needed to be updated. It, it was a little bit, um, you know, you could tell that it was from nineteen ninety five, but I. I just don't think that because you like leopards is a good enough reason <laughs> to raise the history of a of a team and just make an absolute mockery. Like, have you seen have you seen a lot of the other teams' responses? Like, my my personal favourite was Barrow Budgies. Why the hell not? That's if that's Did where we're going. Did you see the Featherstone one, the flamingos? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's everyone that said Featherstone Bottlers as well, which did crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's a joke. It's so embarrassing, and it and it's actually a shame because I think that there was it was a good, it was a fine brand. Like they'd spent all that time building it, and I just think what we we it's such a fine line, isn't it? You want people who are investing in the sport, club owners come in and spend a lot of their own money, and you don't want to like have too much control on them where they feel like this isn't worth it for me like i can't make the change i want to make but at the same time how can he how can he be allowed to just completely demolish everything every identifiable aspect about this club and re replace it with such 
garbage. It, I would be really fuming if I was a Lee fan. Um, does the context of that, Toby, make your grade any better than a minus whatever number you were going to give it? No, no. I mean, look, the, reason, the context that I had in mind was the fact that it gets... It, it's worse than it actually is because they had such an established brand and it was actually quite a good brand, like a Centurion's quite a you know, fierce character. Um, but I think that it hurts me more, having heard that, that like they had a club named after a mistake and how it's like, and that's like how ironic and it's quite a good way to name your club and that is really like ripping up the history books now. Yeah. Like you're ripping up like ripping up like the false thing that turned you accidentally into Roman gladiators. Like that's that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, that's I'm like, chosen by the fans as well. Yeah, yeah, the fans the fans chose that as well and it's just like crazy, isn't it? Um I feel like they could have updated the Centurion, don't get me wrong, I feel like they could have had like yeah. you know like Wigan did with their warrior update. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That felt different, didn't it? It felt new for even from Wigan, it felt oh, okay, they're just modernising themselves a little bit and Things like that. I mean, people looked at the Halifax Panthers one and thought that was crap. But Panthers fans have have are enjoying that. They don't mind it. Like it, it, it was a bit. Oh, I don't know why we're doing this at the minute. Da, 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 da. But we understand it now, and we've grown behind it. And it was better than Blue Sox, so people didn't care because it was better than the Blue Sox, and it gave us a little bit of identity in terms of the way other clubs run as well. But this is the worst I've ever seen. It's even worse than the Liverpool Lizards which is an amateur club but that's awful um we, we're really sh short on time in terms of where we're getting up to but so we need to do our our seven tackle set uh, which would have been our set of six before uh current scores robin on 90 i'm on 87 toby on 85 it's really really close uh, Rob, toby had thought he'd lost weeks ago but um he's coming back strong first game up friday night new zealand versus ireland a game that me and robin will be at and I can't look past the Kiwis. Yeah, I've got to pick New Zealand as well, but I still think that it's going to be an interesting test for them and a game worth watching. 100%. I think I think Ireland, with no Jermaine Jollis, potentially no Liam Byrne and potentially no James Bentley, they're going to really have to step up and, and play. Like Jermaine Jollis will take a ban in this game, so if they, if they, they need to get a win on the board, don't they? They do, but I'm taking New Zealand as well. <laughs> um, we have in, we have discarded the England-Greece game um, just because we're all going to pick England, so we, we, we took that out. Um, next up, Fiji versus Scotland. Fiji. I mean, Fiji for yeah, me, it's got to it? be Fiji. I, I rate them. I'm, I want to see big things from them, so I'm going to back them. Is it three from three for Fiji? Uh, Australia versus Italy, another one I think sort of it writes itself. This one, doesn't it? Agreed. The next, the next few though, they're going to be they're going to be tough. Um, a game we spoke about, Group A. Whoever wins this game will get the quarterfinal spot in Group A, and will probably and then we'll go on and face um, likely Tonga in the quarterfinal. For the reason, the fact that they're going to be playing Tonga in the semi in the quarterfinal, I can't look past Samoa for this one against France. No matter how well France played against England and. Like you said, lap lapses of concentration. I think I think France are going to catch tomorrow when they really didn't want them. They, anyone who would anyone would have rather had them on week one. Yeah, I I agree. It's unlucky for France, um, but yeah, the class of Samoa 
I think they're going to hit their stride and demolish them. I'm taking uh, France just to try and claim a point back, but I probably agree with what you two have said. Ooh, interesting, interesting. Uh, the team, another team that haven't won a game in this World Cup so far is Jamaica. Uh, they're going to face off against Lebanon. Um, people are saying this game is going to be really interesting, especially after um, Lebanon. Well, they, like you said, Lebanon played well against New Zealand, and then I, then they, they demolished Ireland. They're, they are a really strong squad. Jamaica aren't necessarily playing badly. They're going to probably score a try in, a, another try in this game, and I really hope that they do. And I hope it's not a, a walkover, but. For me, for me, I can't look past um, Lebanon on this one. Yeah. I mean, I... Oh, who's going Sorry, first? Sir. Go on, Sarah. Just said me neither. I, I'm with you, Brad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think um, Lebanon are, are too good for Jamaica, but I, I think this is Jamaica's chance to, like, to get get some po more points on the board. Yeah, uh, Tonga versus Cook Islands. We've seen this is this is a tough group. We were like. We probably had the best games. All the games that have been good have featured both PNG and, and the Cook Islands. Cook Islands Wales was a cracking game. Cook Islands PNG was a cracking game. I don't know if Cook Islands can do it again against a Tonga side that has been severely impressive and is nowhere near its strongest. And I think just for that reason, I'm going to have to go with the, with the Tongans. Yeah, when I, when I saw Cook Islands last night, I just thought that they um, were a little bit predictable, and um, like you say, Tonga, they've not they've not even got out a third gear, have they? Like, no. and they're still winning. So, I think that this is the week where Tonga finds a bit of form, realise how good they actually should be playing, and um, yeah, I don't I don't think Cook Islands have got enough to take them on. Yeah, no, I'm going with uh, with uh, Tonga as well. Yeah. And then the final game of, of the third round, um, PNG versus Wales. Um, Toby, do you want to sort of? I'll let you go first on this one because it's your team. You know what? We've played so well throughout the whole tournament that I've got to hope that we can get our first win since the 2000 tournament, and I will back Wales reluctantly, but. Come Rian Beast. Come on the boys. Come on the boys. Yep. Don't say that out of context, will you, Toby? <laughs> uh, no, PNG for me. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see an upset because I think like Wales have been playing so well and they kind of go into this one with they've got nothing to lose, whereas PNG have sort of got like one foot out of the door a little bit. They, mm. they, they think they might have got it. So I could, I could see like a shot result. Um, and I think as well, like PNG have been in two quite bruising games. I know Wales have as well, but um, I feel like PNG, they most of their players are like very high intensity, um, but not um, over a long period of time. Like they tend to sort of like you can see the fatigue creeping in towards the end of the first half and definitely at the end of the game. Whereas Wales, I think they've got a little bit more stamina. Um, they did go the full distance against Cook Islands. You know, they they did c continue to try their hardest against Tonga. So, a, an interesting game, probably probably like the most interesting game of the week. Um, but yeah, P PNG for me. That was a long way around. I, I was like, oh, I thought like I saw, part of me there thought you were going to go Wales for that one. Yeah, I was just like um, I was just you know just trying to make people. a final decision. Yeah. 
Um, just so everyone is aware, we know that the Women's Rugby League World Cup and the Wheelchair Rugby League World Cup start next week before Thursday. So um, you'll hear a bonus podcast before then uh, featuring just myself and Robin because Toby is in Snowdonia. Um, it will come out probably Monday um, evening before the Tuesday games. So catch that. That will be your Women's and Wheelchair Rugby League World Cup bonus specials. You'll hear from uh, Women's World Cup stars on uh, Friday when I attend the launch. And you will also hear more next week from more um, French players, more New Zealand players, and hopefully more other international players from all three tournaments. Thank you everyone who's listened or watched this episode. Like I said, this has been one of our most successful uh, months that we've had since we started, even when we were doing it live. It's just been... It's been really, really good, and I'm so glad that you guys listen, you watch, you download, you like, you share, you comment, you subscribe, just everything. We we can't help but say thank you really to every single one of you. So once again, we've been the Biff. I've been Bradley. That's been Robin. That's been Toby. In association with swimming, swinging arms and shoulder charges, this has been the Biff Rugby League World Cup accredited podcast. Um, we'll see you all on Monday. Have a good one. Come on, the boys.